Welcome to Brave Church. Thanks for listening today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. We're a multi-site church based in the Bay Area. You can get more information by going to brave.church. We hope this teaching helps you find and follow Jesus. Thanks for joining us from San Francisco, San Ramon, Dublin, online. Each week in this series, we're in a different location looking at scripture together, but also learning about this beautiful place we call home, the Bay Area. And so today we're here in Oakland at Lake Merritt, also known as the Jewel of Oakland. Uh, fun fact, I used to live right over there but I'll tell you about that another time. Um, for now, I just wanna tell you a little bit about the lake. So Lake Merritt is a beautiful place. Here's some quick facts about it. It's 3.4 miles in circumference. People love to run around it, hang out. Um, and then also it covers 155 acres of land. So it's a big space. In 1869, Dr. Samuel Merritt donated the land and it became the first protected wildlife refuge in America. So this lake is a refuge. Literally, it's a space carved out for birds and other animals to thrive. And so today what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at Psalm 46, a passage that teaches us about God as a refuge. Lake Merritt is an important refuge for birds, animals, because you know, when, when you think of the expansion of modern cities, they really pushed a lot of wildlife out. So a refuge is important for this city, but it's not just important, for wildlife to have a refuge. People need a refuge too. A refuge can be a place we go in search of rest and peace. It's also a place we go in times of trouble. I wonder what do you do in times of trouble? Where do you go? What do you do when you don't feel safe? Before we look at Psalm 46, I wanna go over just some common responses to trouble. Here are three common responses to trouble. Um, first A, putting up walls with people. When we don't feel safe, we try to protect ourselves. Now, I know I do this when I, when I don't feel safe, when I'm in a conversation with someone and I feel like this could be trouble. It makes me feel like I need to protect myself, like I need to put up some walls. Sometimes this is a good thing actually because not everyone is safe. But it's also true that if we let bad experiences with people or times that we've been hurt, if we let that make us jaded and in a way that we relate to others, then what happens is we end up putting up walls that don't need to be there. Walls that are there when they shouldn't be. And these very walls that used to keep us safe are no longer keeping us safe. They're keeping us from the love and support that we need from others. So walls can protect us, but they also isolate us. Uh, another common response to perceived trouble is B, safety-proofing our lives. Um, safety-proofing kind of feels like walls, and that can also be a good thing like sometimes we need to take better measures to be safe at our house. Once our kids started walking, we had to safety proof all these cabinets. Uh, we had to put, put things out of reach like knives and things we didn't want them to have access to. But it can also be true that we can get a little carried away trying to eliminate any chance of harm. 
that can be a full-time job, right? Because there's always something to worry about. There's always a reason to worry. And so when we try to safety-proof things beyond what's reasonable, we end up with more rules, more policies, spending a lot of energy on worst case scenarios, which really becomes a distraction from what's important. You can't be in the moment if you're constantly thinking about what could go wrong. You can't experience joy and worry at the same time. Another common response to trouble is C, uh, reacting with aggression. Some of us react very aggressively when we feel threatened or when we feel backed in a corner. This usually escalates the situation, it doesn't help. And when we do this, uh, we're also you know, trying to protect ourselves, but unlike walls for defense, this is more like going to war. And what's important to keep in mind is it usually has a bigger impact than we think. It's not just the, the impact between two people, it's people that you're close to, maybe your children, even your community gets impacted when you react with aggression and when there's a battle. So let's review three common responses, uh, putting up walls, safety-proofing our lives, or reacting with aggression. Uh, a good thing to consider this week would be which of these three do you most identify with? Maybe it's two out of three. Or if, you, if you've had a lot of trouble in your life, um, you might utilize all three of these. Uh, but do you tend to live more with walls than you need to? Do you worry more than you need to? Is there a pattern of situations kind of escalating in a way that really makes them worse? Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Not you might, you will. Whether it's trouble with your health, trouble with your family, trouble with your friends, trouble at work, maybe even trouble for the sake of your faith in Jesus. The title of this teaching is What to Do in Times of Trouble. And if you're following along, you can go to Psalm 46. Uh, but in this passage, we learn about God as a refuge. Um, this truth applies in any situation. If you wanna take serious leaps in your faith, if you wanna grow, learning what to do in times of trouble is the fast track. It's one of the best opportunities we have to experience a deeper connection with God, but it's all in how we respond. So let's go to verse one, Psalm 46. Let's read these first three verses. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the earth of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The first thing we need to know in times of trouble is this, number one, recognize your refuge as a person instead of a place. The psalmist begins describing God as three things, a refuge, strength, and help. The point is we can trust him. God is worthy of trust. Why? Well, God rules the world. He created the universe. God is in control. Now, does that mean he controls everything? No, he's not all controlling. That means every bad thing that happens is his fault. And that's not the case. He's not controlling everything all the time. But big picture, when it comes to how the story of this earth ends, God isn't just a character. He's the author. So that means that no enemies or forces or things that, that might threaten us are gonna win in the end. And so the strength of God is not neutral. He's for us. God is our help. One of the ways this is illustrated in Psalm 46 is with the, the parallel of a worst case scenario. Ancients believed that the earth rested on the foundations of mountains that went deep into the ocean. So earthquakes, volcanoes, floods, droughts, these were all signs 
but the earth was unstable. The point being made here is that God is sovereign over all cosmic instability. He's the best refuge there is. You can trust God. And people who see God as their refuge and someone that they can trust, they pour out their heart to God. They pour out their truth to him. You know, when the Bible describes God as a refuge, it's saying that God is our safe place when we need protection from something. Proverbs says the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. When you recognize God as your refuge, you don't have to fear people and situations or what might happen. There is no situation we will ever face where God isn't for us. Take King David, for example, he knew God as a refuge. King David knew what it was like to literally be on the run from people who wanted to kill him. And they came really close. But no matter how much danger he was in, he always found safety in God. David said, pour out your hearts to him. That's, and that's what David did all the time, over and over again. If you're struggling with anxiety, if you're stressed, if you're worried, if you need to, to learn what it looks like to go to the refuge, read the life of David. It'll encourage you. David poured out his heart to God about what he was, what he was going through in his life. He asked God to intervene on his behalf, to be his strength. And he saw God come through in some huge ways. C.S. Lewis said, man approaches God most nearly when he is in one sense least like God. For, for what can be more unlike God than fullness and need, sovereignty and humility, righteousness and penitence, limitless power and a cry for help? The truth is, I can tell you all day long that God is a refuge. You, you can have this knowledge, you can know it intellectually, but how do we know in our heart? How do we know it to the point that we're gonna live it? Well, there's really no way other than to evaluate your responses. There's really no better way to know how you're living this truth than to look at your response in times of trouble, when you experience trouble. See, trouble could be a really hard situation. Trouble could be stress at work. Trouble could be a fight with your spouse. Trouble could be issues with your kids. And when trouble comes up in your life, how long does it take you to go to the refuge? Do you go to him? Or do you go to a friend and complain? Do you go to a hobby or an outlet? Do you go to the bar? Do you go to, go to your parents? Do you shut down on the inside? When you really take to heart and believe that, that you have a refuge in God and it's the safest place to be and you can go there anytime, it changes your life. Your relationship with trouble gets redefined. No matter what our circumstance, the safest place to be is always in the center of God's will. He promises to be our refuge. Hebrews 13 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So what can we do in times of trouble? Number one, recognize your refuge as a person instead of a place. And now let's take a look at verses four through seven and then verse 11, which says the same thing. It says, there is a, a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob, 
is our fortress. Then it says it again in verse 11. It says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The next thing we learn is this, number two, find joy in the stream of God's presence. The city of God is, is here in the Psalms is a metaphor for being safe, but also for the hope of what this future will look like when the problems of this world are solved. The real danger that the psalmist is talking about here is the nations warring against each other. It's 9-11, it's Russia and Ukraine, it's living through any of the world wars, nuclear bombs, it's COVID-19 with over 6 million deaths. The raging of this world and its earthly kingdoms creates total instability. There is a pattern of historical chaos since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. It says the seas and nations roar, Mountains and kingdoms fall, but who is our fortress? Who rises above it all? Our God. He is the only constant reason for joy this side of eternity. You can't have joy when you're afraid and you're insecure. Joy is in the refuge. Joy is in the stream of God's presence and and you can go there all the time. In this life, the only way to find peace in the chaos is by turning to the one with the master plan, turning to the one who will one day right all wrongs and bring order to this planet. This gives us reason to have joy even in our waiting. In Philippians, it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I I love that, to think of the joy of the Lord as a source of strength. You know, we usually don't think of joy as what we need when we're troubled. We want peace, we want comfort, we want strength, we want help, we want change. So joy isn't usually what we first think of, but one of the signs that you've actually gone to the refuge is joy. Because when supernatural joy starts rising up from inside you, starts breaking through from within, you know that God's got you. It's like you've entered one of those ancient castles or towns, like you've been on the run, something's chasing you, and you get inside and the gates close behind you, the city door shut, and you're safe behind the walls. A good question to ask yourself is, is what in my life causes me to run, right? What makes me feel unstable? Is it reading the news and thinking about the future and getting anxious? Is it when you check your bank account? Is it when you have issues with your family or your spouse or maybe your friends? What causes you trouble? What causes you to lose your joy? This is when you know that you need to go to the refuge. Go to God, talk to him. Evaluate your situation in light of the truth of scripture. Maybe you need to go to someone who knows scripture better than you and can help guide you in it. On the other side of trouble, you know that you're working through it. Uh, if, If you're dealing with your trouble and you're dealing with it well, you know that you're getting through it well when you see the fruit of joy. When the result is you get to this sense of peace and joy because everything's gonna be okay. Uh, This is also a great way to filter people's counsel. If people's advice in your life doesn't lead to joy eventually, it might not be rooted in truth, especially if it leads to more fear and worry. Um, Only God can connect people to joy in the most horrible and challenging situations. Through tragedy, God can still give you joy. Through suffering, God can give you joy. So number two, find joy in the stream of God's presence. And lastly, let's take a look at verses eight through 10. It says, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. 
He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Number three, find peace through surrender. Find peace through surrender. Be still is not comfort for the harassed, but a rebuke to the restless and turbulent world. Be quiet, let it go. See, be still and know that I am God. Isn't advice to lead us to being a more contemplative, however important that may be? It actually means to lay down your arms. In the modern world, this often means to lay down your words, to surrender and acknowledge that he is the one and the only victorious God. In the ancient Near East, it was the particular responsibility of rulers to establish peace for the people. This is what God's works are all about. Be still actually isn't really a good translation for us as modern readers because we hear that and we just think of rest. We think of meditation. We think of being, you know, sitting somewhere being peaceful, but it's actually more like stop it. In other words, depend on God. Stop depending on yourself. And what we have to understand is Israel often sought security in military might, going to war. But God is the warrior who fights for peace. See, warring to win is self-defeating. It's never a good solution. It just hurts everyone involved. The only war that helps is fighting for peace. We see this on a global scale throughout history. But also think about the conflict in your life. Sometimes a fight and a conflict is necessary to get to a deeper peace, to work things out, to get to a deeper level of understanding between two people. But sometimes conflict is just violence. It's just ugliness, it's just sin. It's the kind of arguing and fighting that just wants to be right, that wants to win and dominate and get your way. When the motive isn't peace and love, conflict leads to nothing good. And the moment you realize that your fighting isn't helping, the right thing to do is be still, is stop. You know, in a prophetic word from God, the psalmist ends this passage with an exhortation to the nations, saying, cease your warring, stop your attacks, leave off your vain attempts to subject history to your power. See, what, what if God said it to us like this? Stop your attempts to be right or win an argument when I want you to be quiet and see what I'm doing. There is only one true refuge for this life. There is only one who can truly overcome our troubles. Peace doesn't come from fighting back. It comes when we stop fighting and we surrender and we let God take over. So what do we do in times of trouble? Number one, recognize your refuge as a person instead of a place. Number two, find joy in the stream of God's presence. And lastly, find peace through surrender. Um, one time I was going through a season where I had to make a really hard decision. And there were some people who didn't agree, didn't like that decision, and they became very angry. And then it got personal. And I, I, I was being attacked verbally, I was being cussed out, threatened, like it was wild. We actually had to get a restraining order against somebody because they were stalking us, which sounds really weird to even say. Okay, it sounds like some alternate universe that I was living in for a bit, but the craziest thing through it all was just how my wife Marcy and I, how we felt. I mean, we were just so overwhelmed. It was stressful, we were anxious, we were afraid, 
we needed a refuge. So one weekend, we decided to leave town. Um, sometimes you just need to physically get away from it all. And so at least, at least that seemed like a good idea to us. And so then something happened that I, I didn't expect. Uh, we were driving and Marcy and the kids had fallen asleep. And so I put some worship music on and I was just worshiping to some songs and some songs that I hadn't heard since I was young started playing. Songs that I used to worship with when I was in my late teens and early 20s. Well, my relationship with God was really becoming strong. And it brought me down what felt like a familiar path of bringing my troubles and bringing my angst to God. And as I drove, I, I felt God's presence just reassuring me that everything was gonna be okay. I found the peace that my soul was longing for. And it wasn't in the mountains. It wasn't sitting on a beach somewhere. It was the moment God surrounded me with his presence as I was driving in the car and worshiping. Maybe you're listening today and you need a refuge. The answer you need is always just one turn away. Turn to God and he will answer you. When you seek him, you will find him. We find rest and peace as we surrender to God, as we put things that we can't really control back in his hands. What is it that you need to surrender? Is it control? Is it anger? Is it expectations? Is it impatience? Whatever it is, acceptance is often the answer to all of the problems we have today. God, I accept that you are in control and I am not. Turn to God and find your refuge. Let's pray. God, I pray for every person right now, whatever it is that's coming to mind that they need to place in your hands. God, I pray that you would give them the clarity and the strength to surrender. In Jesus' name, amen.